going on? Welcome to the show. Happy Monday. Pete Callender here, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. The phone numbers, as always, 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. You can also email Pete at show.com. Uh, so how was your weekend? Did you have a good weekend? Yeah, I spent my weekend uh, being swarmed by leftist moon bats. Uh, after the Friday interview with uh, Scott Huffman, congressional candidate, uh, accused, I was accused of all sorts of things uh, that I uh, was acting in bad faith. I asked him dumb questions. Uh, You're stupid. You know, all of the normal stuff. Um, And uh, so, and then today I get this one here. This is sort of a, here's a taste of it, what I was uh what I got to read all weekend long on the Twitter machine. Uh, Here's a person who says, uh, or maybe it's a bot. I don't know. Uh, I eat radio host like you for lunch, which I think is illegal, by the way. Right. I think we have laws in this state against cannibalism, but I'm not sure. Um, Well, yeah, maybe if it's a, yeah, maybe if it's FDA approved or something, does he have like a restaurant score on the kitchen? I eat radio host like you for lunch. Taking you off the radio would take seven months. Tempt me with a rude response. So that's the that's sort of the vibe uh, of the of the tweets over the weekend from from Democrats because the the candidate that I interviewed he you know retweeted out the uh, the audio from Friday in that first hour, which if you get a chance, you should definitely go back and listen. You can get the podcast, by the way, WBT.com. It's free. comes right to your smartphone or tablet. Uh, you can also go to the PeteCallenderShow.com. There's a big subscribe button right there, and you just subscribe. It's free, and, uh, and then it just shows up on, on your phone uh, every single day. Three different podcasts, each for uh, one for each hour, I should say. So, uh, and I do have uh, other messages here before I get into and we will be getting to the January 6th stuff. Um, uh, there was uh, there was one individual, let me just say it that way, who was very disappointed in me, very disappointed in me, and that I didn't cover the January 6th hearing on Friday. Very disappointed. Yeah, I don't care. I, it doesn't. I don't care what you think about my programming choices. Uh, you're not an expert in the radio business, and when uh, and I, I responded to this individual before I finally muted them um, because they, they engage in troll-like behavior, as I mentioned. You know the other kind of tweets that I've been that I was getting over the weekend. Um, you know, assumption of motive, and that's what drives the assertions. I'm going to assume that you're a terrible person. I'm going to assume that your motives are evil. I'm going to assume that you're uh, ignorant. I make all these assumptions and then I make the assertions based off of those assumptions. I don't have to state them, but you can see them manifested in the assertions. Um, But here's 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 how I approach uh, doing the show. I do a lot of prep. Every hour on air is two hours of prep. That's the that's the, the general idea. Right. So I do three hours on air and that means about six hours minimum of prep. And uh, most of, not most, but a lot of the stuff that I do prep never gets on the air, never makes it on the air because I am limited in time and people call in and email and things happen during the course of the show. And so 
when I did the interview, I had the whole rest of the show planned, and um, we didn't get to it because Scott Huffman performed uh, not well. (laughs) Not well. And, uh, I mean, I don't think he performed very well. Because if you think about what it is you're trying to do when you come on to – I give him credit for coming on the show. A lot of Democrats don't come on the show. They don't ever ask to be on the show because if they did ask to be on the show, I'd let them on the show. I would do an interview with them. I would talk about topics of my choosing because it's my show, right? And so if – and look, if I am mistaken in what I think people want to hear, uh, then I will be gone. That's kind of how this works. Well, I shouldn't say kind of how it works because a lot of times in radio, that's not how it works. You just get let go <laughs> for no other, for no reason except budget. And um, it's happened to me, which is another line of attack that, you, uh, of course, it came up over the weekend. Like uh, they say, you got fired from multiple radio jobs, which first off, if you know anything about radio, that is par for the course. That is the territory. People get fired from radio all the time. All the time. And uh, I don't know. I think I've I think I've got a pretty good track record, only getting riffed, as they say, or as it was uh, referred to the last time from uh, uh, iHeart Radio, they said it was uh, an employee dislocation. <laughs> That's what they called it. An employee dislocation across the company. They, they riffed like, uh, or sorry, dislocated about a thousand people. I was part of that. Wave, and uh, I saw last week they're doing another wave. That's what that's what radio has been doing for a very long time. And every and look, when I took the job up in Asheville, I knew that right. iHeart was in bankruptcy protection, and I understood that when I went in, that I was going to work for a company that's bankrupted. So it's probably not going to be a long term uh, gig. But it but it turned out to be eight or nine years. I was a Employee here before that, and through ownership changes back uh, in like 2008, 2009, uh, 2010 timeframe, that's uh, same thing happened. There were they bought a company, bought another company that happened to own us, and then they fired a bunch of people, and I was part of that riff. So I don't know two two riffs in 25 years. That's actually pretty good. For radio standards, that's actually pretty good. But they attack you and say, oh, you got let go. That means you stink. Okay. So there's a lot of people on Twitter that know a lot about radio, as you can tell. So my view on it has always been that if, you know, I do an interview with somebody and it prompts a lot of listener reaction, then I'm going to read and take listener reaction. going to do that because it obviously is something people want to weigh in on. And that is what happened on Friday And we talked for two hours about the first hour interview. And I still have more messages. And the 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 even the the trolling uh, swarming moon bats on Twitter over the weekend prove my point. Right. They wanted to keep talking about it. So it wasn't some dastardly, you know, decision. I'm not going to cover the J6 hearing. I, I watched uh, the Thursday night. I watched some of, well, I watched a good portion of it. I don't know, maybe about half of it. Um, 
And then I read reviews on it afterwards and watched some more sound bites the next day. So I, I prepped for it because I was intending to do it, but I didn't. But that's a terrible disappointment. Terrible disappointment. Once again, don't care what you think, especially uh, if you just use it as a weapon in the debate. Um, but I do have more prep because they obviously are meeting again today. Well, I shouldn't say obviously. There are a lot of people that may not be aware that they're doing uh, part two, day two. They just they started it at like 10. Oh, they seemed like they were running late this morning. So they started about 10, 20, 10, 30, I want to say. Uh, so I've been listening to what's been going on uh, today. They're now in a recess uh, Fox News is covering it, so just want to make sure everybody knows Fox News is covering it because this is like a very big deal. If Fox doesn't cover it, then it means that they hate democracy. Now, I don't know what all of the other networks are doing. Are they all, is CBS, ABC, are they all taking, I know CNN is. See, I, so me, I just go to C-SPAN. That's where I go for this. Because I don't want to hear any of the commentators. I don't need I don't need them to tell me what to think about what I'm watching. So I would just watch C-SPAN. That's how I do it. You, you, you know, you can do it differently. Decisions about what to cover get made by all of these different networks. I don't it, I don't care to opine because I am not in the meetings to decide why they're going to not air it or air it. So again, I'm not assuming a motive. Why is this so difficult? I, I don't know. Yeah, Bernie's shaking his head, too. I don't know. Just you assume the motive, then you build a, a, a whole argument based on that assumption of their motive. And you, and it's really profoundly ignorant. It, it, it truly is, because you really don't know what their motive is. Anyway, uh, so I do have some more messages. I will run through those real quick uh, when we get back, and then we're going to go into the uh, some of the, the overall. And again, uh, this may be... Uh, for the folks who are tuning in uh, for the first time after uh, being alerted that I exist uh, due to Scott Huffman's interview, uh, welcome. Uh, but I, uh, after we get through the, um, uh, the messages, we're going to go into the J6 stuff, but I tend to focus more on ideas than I do people. And so, I don't know, that, that might be a bit disconcerting. I go, in, go into the ideas and I go into the philosophy of things which is maybe why they were so, I don't know, disoriented by the cognitive dissonance of the interview that I did with Huffman. But we shall see. <laughs> News Talk 1110-993-WBT. It's the Pete Callender Show. So let me get to some of these emails regarding the Friday interview, and then I'm going to move on. Uh, but we've got, uh, so here's another individual, Robert. He was very disappointed in me. Very disappointed. Mr. Callender, who said he was Catholic. I said I was raised Catholic. I was raised Catholic. Uh, did not take the time to inform Mr. Huffman. And then he's got parentheses and quotes Catholic. <laughs> like he's not really a Catholic. Um, did not take the time to inform Mr. Huffman of the teachings of the Catholic church. Abortion is an intrinsic evil and murder. Uh, John Pope uh, or uh, John Paul II and Pope Francis uh, said so. Not only did this not help Mr. Huffman, who, like Biden and Pelosi, are persisting in grave evil and risking damnation, but it also missed an opportunity to inform misguided Catholics of the truth. Yeah, I wasn't going to get into a theological uh, debate with him about it because he rested it all on the one theological premise and he cited scripture for it and I don't do it's not like I don't do rap battles and I don't do 
biblical text offs or text battles. I, I don't I don't do that. I don't participate in that. Um, I asked him why he believed it. That's what he said. People responded. Uh, see, okay, here's the other thing. I assume that uh, if I hear somebody tap dancing and not wanting to answer that you do too. I assume that if I hear illogic, you hear it as well. I, I don't assume that I'm smarter than anybody else and I'm detecting things that nobody else is detecting. I think we all know what was going on. We all heard what was going on. Um, this is from Susan. The interview was great. I wish you took the opportunity to expound upon two things. First, he mentioned Republicans have a separate set of facts. This kills me because with a controlled media, they get away with this kind of ambiguous blanket statements, which is the opposite of a fact. Specifically, he railed about all the bills that his opponent would not endorse. It would have been interesting to uh, for him to reflect on why his opponent did not sign off on the infrastructure bill, i.e. because of all the embedded liberal goodies that were kept from the American public on mainstream media. Second, I, w- I thought I mentioned that too. I don't get into the, he voted against this piece of legislation because they legislatures do this all the time. They stick things, poison pills or you know, goodies. They stick stuff into bills in order to, uh, to put them into campaign ads. Um, I would have liked for him to have been called out for impugning an entire party of Republicans, even the January 6th committee not having a fair representation. Facts you omit or, or don't like are still facts. I would like if he had any comment as to how Biden is the great uniter and how his divisive rhetoric shows leadership by example. Uh, he, like Biden, Biden, did not look to find any common ground or posit any original ideas. I say all of this because there's a systemic attempt to erase all individual thought and label everyone. I blame social media for this. Um, she's a 24-year educator with a doctorate in education. Uh, I also work every day to rever- reverse indoctrinate my students and create individual thought and reflectiveness as a key to growth. Brian says, Pete just caught the interview in the first hour. This is why I'm one of your patrons. Uh, You are right. Just like in Western North Carolina, these liberals will soon learn that they come out with the short straw when they come on your show. (laughs) And uh, this one from Bill, who said, I just finished listening to the interview. Thank you so much for lightening up my Friday afternoon work week from start to finish. You had him on the ropes. The only question that I still have about him at this point is whether or not he actually believes any of the the bull poop he is peddling. <laughs> have a great weekend. All right. Thank you, Bill. Thanks to everybody uh, who listened, everybody who subscribes. Uh, and uh, if you haven't, go on over to WBT.com, subscribe to the podcast and take a listen. We're going to move on after the news here to the J6 hearing. Uh, they are now in day two. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Woohoo. All righty. Uh, actually, I lied earlier. I lied. I had a couple more emails to get through. I mean, I try to read everyone's emails that, that sends them along. Um, let me see here. William, I think is his name. Yeah. I found it interesting that your guest on Friday uh, quoted Genesis 2-7, which was Actually, not talking about a woman or a pregnancy, it was addressing how Adam was created, placed in the garden, and then God breathed life into the nostrils of man, not a fetus exiting a birth canal. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Let me see here. And then Denny, 
I feel compelled to provide some feedback after hearing your interview with Scott Huffman. It was obvious to me that Scott was not interested in any kind of ideological or philosophical discussion. He had his talking points that he was going to voice regardless of what you asked. This is what frustrates me most about politicians. The stick-to-the-agenda strategy used to control the narrative is hard to swallow. Um, I'd love to hear from a politician who can think on their feet and respond to unpreplanned questions with coherent discussion about their beliefs. Your interview with Scott exposed him for what he is, what I call a pre-programmed agenda politician whose main purpose is to criticize and point their finger across the aisle. At any rate, I am glad you had him on. I am a like-minded independent, and I quite enjoy your thought-provoking concepts, local focus, and sardonic wit. It's very unappreciated. I would, I just, I would note that my sardonic wit is, is underappreciated. I think. My only suggestion to you, Pete, is to change that grating harmonica opening music for your show. Think more, Warren Zevon. Uh, thank you, Denny. Um, no, <laughs> that's not, that is not going to happen. I am, uh, look, there's one Warren Zevon song I like. And and just save, I, I do not want the emails. I am not here to kick dirt on Warren Zevon. I'm not saying that. I tried to listen. I actually have like, I think two of his albums. I've tried. I, it, it didn't take. It didn't take. I don't know why. I know people love him. Uh, God rest his soul. I just can't get there. But I do love Werewolves of London. I do love that song. It's a it's a catchy tune. I like the lyrics. Um, and he sings it. Like, I got one of these albums, and it's just like he's it, there's music playing, but he's just kind of talking the whole time. It's like a choral speaking kind of a, approach. And Again, I'm not trying to kick dirt on him. I'm just saying it didn't take with me. Much like, for example... Uh, I was Grateful Dead. I am a Grateful Dead fan. God rest Jerry Garcia's soul. Um, and uh, when Jerry died, I had a roommate, and he was like, you need to go to the Fish shows. I actually went to more Fish shows. Fish is the band with a PH. Went to more of those shows, trying hard to like them. And I, it just, I couldn't get there. I just couldn't get there. Different reasons. Anyway, sorry, down the rabbit hole I went. I apologize. Let me see here if there's any other. Uh, no. All right. So I think I've I've read through all the messages. I'm not going back through the Twitter messages. There were too many of them, and they're all just it's just all just a pile up of hate and love. So I think there was also a bot that arrived in there. Yeah. Thank you, Monica, for the link to the website where you could plug in somebody's name and find out if they are more or uh, less likely to be a bot which is amazing the way they carry on conversations and you think you're talking to a real person and they're not. Did you see that story about Google and their AI? All right. I won't get to that today. I'm, it is in the stack, but I'm not going to get there. I got to first get to uh, the January 6th uh, hearing that's going on today. So I, I have a, I got a lot of questions, a lot of questions for you um, depending on, and I, you know, depending on your views of what happened on January 6th, what happened on the uh, uh, during the election? Uh, what happened after the election? So, for example, today's testimony, uh, we had uh, Bill Barr, the former attorney general, Chris Steyerwalt, the former political editor for Fox News. Um, 
the uh, former Trump campaign manager, Bill Stepien, who, uh, as far as I can tell, uh, there were a couple of landmines around there, but it doesn't uh, in the in the the questioning. But it looks like uh, he did not step in any of them. Oh, come on. That's, <laughs> I'm not supposed to make that joke. Come on. All right. So members of the House committee investigating the Capitol riot said Sunday they have uncovered enough evidence for the Justice Department to consider an unprecedented Criminal indictment against former President Donald Trump. I'm sorry, who's under the impression that this is a criminal probe? AP, Associated Press, what's up? This is not a criminal investigation. You know how I can tell? Because it's Congress running the show. It, it, yeah, they can't indict him. Now, they, they claim in this AP story, you got to go pretty deep into the story, but you find out that, uh, here, lawmakers indicated that perhaps their most important audience member over the course of the hearings may be Attorney General Merrick Garland, who must decide whether his department can and should prosecute Trump. Now, they obviously, the Democrats, well, I guess the two Republicans as well, seems like they all are on board with this idea. Legal experts have said a Justice Department prosecution of Trump over the riot could send an, uh, set an uneasy precedent in which an administration of one party could more routinely go after the former president of another. Oh, in other words, like a destruction of norms? Is that what you're, dis- that, that's what you're discussing here, AP? I'm old enough to remember when crowds chanting, lock her up, made members of the media and Democrats, but I repeat myself, hit the fainting couches because this is banana republic kind of stuff. This is this is tyranny kind of stuff. This is fascism kind of stuff. When you're talking about, you know, criminally charging your your opponent, your political opponent after an election. So do any of those ideas apply? So this is what hangs up so many people. There's a I try to focus on on ideas at play versus the individual people at play. And now that's not to say you ignore the people at play cuz especially, you know, when it comes to an election, Hillary versus Trump, those people definitely had an impact uh in the election. Right? I, I'm not so sure Donald Trump could have beaten another democrat besides Hillary Clinton. So repulsive she was to so many people in America, right? And I'm not so sure that a Democrat other than Joe Biden, who hid in the basement, you know, just let Trump suck up all of the news oxygen and let the media do the heavy work for him. I'm not so sure anybody else could have beaten Donald Trump like Biden did. Right. So and and he came out offering to be the uniter and people, oh, that's just old Joe. He's so moderate and all that. And people who knew Joe Biden thought that's that's not really Joe Biden. But see, so that. You do you do have some discussion of the personalities of the people involved, but the idea here. So why are they pitching this as some sort of a criminal proceeding? Are they raising expectations here among their base? Also, here's another question. Um, today's testimony was focused on how Trump was being told by all of these people, his advisors, his campaign manager, 
uh, Bill Barr. There were all these people around him, the lawyers. They were all saying that you lost and that these ideas that are that are coming forward um, in social media and, and from you know certain uh, supporters, that these are not legitimate or believable ideas, that it was stolen. And so they're trying to make this argument that, you know, Trump was told, but he persisted in the, quote, big lie anyway, raised a bunch of money, sucked up a bunch of money out of uh, people's pockets in order to keep fighting. If it turns out Donald Trump did know that he lost and did at points believe that he lost, does that change your mind as to whether or not he lost? Does that change your mind? Does that idea, if he's going along with that original assessment, does that change your mind? News Talk 1110-993-WBT, the Pete Callender Show. The email to Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. From Joe, who says, uh, love the, same for me, Pete, I love the dead, but I hate fish. I think it's because I'm more of a country rock fan. So the dead, the Grateful Dead, I love is when Keith and Donna Jean, Godshaw, were in the band. Uh, a lot more American Gothic and traditional tunes back then. Yeah, like albums like Working Man's Dead, American Beauty. I hear you. Uh, let me jump over to, this is Jonathan. Welcome to the program. Hey, Jonathan, how are you? Yes, sir. Doing well. Um, short version. Love the show. Appreciate Thanks. facts and opinions. You're a great dude. I just want to know how you keep composure. I've heard, listened to you since day one when you got on the Charlotte thing. You've had callers and that guy Friday. I mean, I, at one point I thought I had a stroke listening to him. <laughs> but you, you kept it together. I, is that a technique? Is that just you? Because I don't have that ability. Lots and lots of drugs, actually. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No. Well, no, it's, look, there's a, there's a certain amount of thick skin that develops over time. Um, but I also... You know, I, I was a reporter for a long time, and so, I don't know, I guess there's, I, I can compartmentalize uh, maybe differently than other people, and so I stick a mic in someone's face, I ask them some questions, and I don't have to agree with them um, as a reporter, right? I, I didn't have to agree with them, I'm just getting their story, and then I would just come back and report on what they said. And um, and I also learned a long time ago that if you yell and scream at guests, they don't come back, and then word gets out that, you know, you're a hostile host, and then nobody wants to come on the show. If if, if Democrats right. don't, yeah, if they don't want to come on my show because they're afraid of the debate uh, in a in a sane, rational, and civil way, then that's on them, right? I can't do anything other than that. I just thought it was it was amazing, simple, direct questions, and then we're off on a three minute tangent. But right, that's well, why you do what you do, and and you're dang good at it. Well, and thanks, I appreciate you, brother. I appreciate that, Jonathan. Thanks for the kind words, and thanks for calling. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. It's just I, uh, like I said earlier, I if I hear it, I assume you hear it, and I assume everybody can hear what the caller or what yeah caller or what the guest is doing. Um, I also, this is my philosophy on political debates as well. I don't think moderators who, who are in, you know, doing a debate between two candidates, I don't think the moderators should be asking lots of questions. I, you, you don't need to. These are politicians running for an office. They should, keyword should, know their positions and 
all I would have to do as a moderator would be just to say, here's the topic. You two go. And I'll try to keep you guys, you know, fairly close in time. But I don't need to be interjecting to try to make sure I check all the boxes and make sure I get, you know, 10 questions asked during the one hour. I, it does That doesn't matter to me. I don't need to run through. I had way more questions for Scott Huffman than I got to. Way more questions. But we didn't get to them all. Why? Because, as Jonathan just mentioned, every time I asked him a question, he would dodge, dodge the question, pivot to his talking points. And then after I, I'd let him run through his talking points, and then when he was done, I would ask him the question again. Because that was my question. You got to say what you wanted to say. So these people who think like, oh, you didn't do a good interview because you didn't ask him about it. You didn't. Th-. He got to say everything he wanted to say. He did. He had an hour and he ran through all sorts of attacks, all sorts of policies. He got to make his case the way he wanted to. I wanted some answers to some questions and he had a hard time with that. Let me go over here to Jeff. Hey, Jeff, welcome to the show. What's going on? Hey, Pete. Uh, I just wanted to kind of, um, sorry, I had a feedback there. I uh, just want to kind of to just point out something with you and make you think just a little bit different about what you were talking about. And maybe the DOJ is not really what the Democrats are looking for here, right? I mean, if you think about from day one, mm-hmm. this has been looked at or branded as an insurrection, right? And I think it all goes back to the 14th Amendment, right? So basically, they're trying to use that because nothing in that amendment basically states that a person has to be convicted of it. Just mm-hmm. so shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion to basically keep Donald Trump or anyone else this opposition from actually running. I think that's really what they're trying to do here. Sure. Well, they they filed the lawsuits against Madison Cawthorn, uh, I think Marjorie Taylor Greene, a couple other lawmakers as well, right, for the very same, uh, under the very same uh, legal rationale. Yeah, you may be right, Jeff. It's a good point. I appreciate you calling. Um, that's a very good point. It could, I think there are there is a contingent. I know there is a contingent that is seeking to do exactly what Jeff said. Now, there's another contingent that I believe may actually be trying to get Trump back into the race to goose him enough so he gets mad and enters again because they think that they can beat him. I don't know.